This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Isn't Jesus so good? I feel like sometimes we fall into the monotony of being Christians, if that makes sense. We fall into the ideal or um, this, this mantra that I'm supposed to be able to breathe. I'm supposed to be able to walk. I'm supposed to have clothes on my back. I'm supposed to have a family. I'm supposed to X, Y, Z. I'm so, this, is, this is my right. While forgetting that there is a Jesus that breathes breath into the lungs of the first individual and breathes breaths into your lungs every single day. So I feel like sometimes we come into this, this, these gatherings and these moments with the ideal that this is just something we do. I'm, I'm, this is my right to come to church. Rather than realizing that uh, when we come into this place, this isn't a funeral where we're supposed to come and gloat and just feel half asleep and try and make it through these gatherings. Rather, we're supposed to come and celebrate the life that is still living through us in Jesus Christ. This moment isn't a moment where we're supposed to come and just sit and say, hmm, that's a great point. Yeah, it's a good one. I like what he did there, Bill. Awesome. No, we're supposed to come in this place and become even more undignified than this. Do you know David danced in the streets and when his wife came out and tried to hate on him, ain't that something, his own wife, anyways, he said, you think I'm going crazy? I can become even more undignified than this. Because of my God, I can become even more undignified than this. I wonder if I'm in the presence of a bunch of believers who could become even more undignified knowing that their Lord brought them through some seasons that they weren't supposed to make it through, that their Lord gave them a breath they didn't deserve, that their Lord blessed them. I wonder am I in the midst of a living church? We're going to have church today. And it's going to be fun. Um, As he said before, uh, my name is Dylan. And um, before I say anything else, I want you to know that you're blessed. You are blessed because you have a leadership team and a pastor that doesn't need to lead from the front because he is okay with submitting and surrendering this pulpit to a young person like me because he believes so much in you. He believes so much in us. I was watching the pre-service rally uh, this morning, and I'm just watching how he's leading. And normally, you see a pastor step forth even at the end of the rally, and it's like, all right, let's, let's settle down here. And, you know, it's, it's super serious, and everybody's afraid to talk at that moment. And, you know, it's like that weird boss that you don't really like, but you give the fake smile to because you need your paycheck. Anyway, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm expecting that moment. But as the meeting goes on, I'm looking at him. I'm like, huh? okay, not yet, okay. Not yet? Okay. And then they just say, let us pray. I'm like, you're not going to say anything? Okay, cool. And that just shows the humility to be able to say, I don't have to speak. My, the authority that lives in me will manifest itself through the team that God has blessed me with. So can you do me a favor and make some crazy noise for your pastors? Can you make some noise? Love you. Yes. Hopefully, you people who are watching online, you stood up out of your bed just for that moment and gave a standing ovation, like, that's my guy in that screen. We're so happy you're here watching with us. Hey, do us a favor. Come and visit us one a few times. We love people here. I'm family. I'm just your brother from South Florida, so you'll see me here and far in between, so love you guys as well. But anyway, uh, I'm going to get into this word because I'm probably going to hear something about what I just did later, and I'm going to try and move on so I don't have to hear too much about it. So if you brought your Bibles, can you do me a favor and turn to Galatians 5? Verses 22 through 23. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. I just want to say a, prayer, a special prayer for all of the Cowboys fans in here. Um, in Jesus' name. That was the spirit moving right here. I heard it. I heard it. 
Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a second, say, give me one. Amen. People are actually wanting to do work this morning, Pastor Rich. We know it's coming on the screen behind us, but they're like, no, wait, I'm going to actually open up a Bible today. If you don't have a Bible, feel free and download a free Bible app named YouVersion. Download the Bible. You can have it at your fingertips. Have different devotionals, different translations. You can't fight a battle without your sword. And scripture says your sword is the word of God. Get the Bible at your fingertips because Satan doesn't take breaks. And neither should we. We should always have the word. If you're not there, feel free to read along with the person beside you. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Against such things, there is no law. There's no law needed for someone who operates in these fruits. There's no law needed for someone who is submitted to, to, to profess and to, to show these fruits in their life. If you're taking notes this morning, this morning, the title of this sermon is New Year, New Resolutions, Same You. And I know most of y'all, when y'all saw that New Year thing, you either thought one of two things. You either thought, one, he's crazy because it is September. He must, he must be jet lag or something. Let's pray for him. Or you thought, too, am I going crazy? It is September, right? All right. Pastor Rich texted me this morning at like 6.30 in the morning because <laughs> I'm guessing that was the first time he actually got to look at what I sent them to put on the screens. And he said, uh, hey, Dylan, uh, this says New Year's on it. I'm just wanting to make sure that's what you actually wanted to say was New Year's. So I already know that's the connotation that you already are in, but don't worry, we'll wrap it up together. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we are grateful for everything you're doing in this place, in this house. Father God, we thank you for every single soul that stepped into this, this room as well as every single soul that's watching online. We pray that you have a unique in, in, in interaction with them that changes the trajectory of their lives forever. Father God, go before me, speak through me, and be here long, long with my family after I'm gone. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, but forgive us for our trespasses, and forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And life, church, said, Amen. Amen. God is good. Can we give another clap offering for Jesus, if that's okay with y'all? Amen. Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you. Wow. He's so good. So the scripture we just read is a part of a letter that, that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia, and, and, and particularly to the Gentile Christians of Galatia. You see, they'd become into, into odds and were having battles with the Mosaic law, and they didn't know how, how really to live by it and things like that. And so, so, so in return, Paul was trying to get them to live in the revelation of Christ, in the revealing of Christ, the gospel, the, 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 helping them to understand that, yes, this law, Jesus has fulfilled it, but that doesn't mean that we should live like there is no law. Rather, what it's saying is, because you know Jesus, whenever you fall short, know that there's grace that flows through him to us. That's what this scripture is saying. And in particular, the scripture we just read was a part where we're talking about the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of the spirit. And he was saying this in hopes that they may, may understand it, that these are what you are to live by. Because if you live by the fruits of the spirit, there are no laws that you are or will need to be subject to. If you live by these, you don't have to worry about any law, period. Now, as I said before, 
when you saw this sermon title and you saw new year, new you, new, new resolutions, same you, you saw that and, and, and most of you probably checked out and as I said before, you thought I was crazy, but I'm going to be transparent and honest with you. I chose this sermon title because the new year's is my favorite holiday. Just going to be honest. I just love the new year's. I know most of y'all are judging me because I didn't say Christmas. Get over it. Anyway, I love the new year's. It's my, I love it. I just, new calendars. New dreams, new goals. You know, in New Year's, some people wake up and they're just excited. You know that person that every year is their year. They've been saying this since 1977 that this is their year. You know, this, they're still waking up. To, they woke up the beginning of this year. I'm on this year. I'm going pro this year. They're 90 years old. I'm going pro. I still got it. <laughs> and then you have the certain person that's shocked they woke up this year. They're like, I made it through another one. Glory to God. I'm still here. I love the New Year's. I love it. But there's one part of the New Year's that I'm not too privy to. I don't really like as much. It's this, this New Year, New You model. I don't, really, I don't really jive with it as much because it gives off the negative connotation that the old you wasn't good enough in return. That's why last year wasn't up to par for you. It gives off this idea that you were, you, you were lacking something in the old year And that's why this year you're going to, in your power, add that to your life and in return, voila. Scripture says God watched you be woven together in your mother's womb, making sure you had everything you needed to live a life of thriving, not surviving. God isn't looking at you and saying, I need to add more there, more there, more there. As a matter of fact, when he looked at you, he said, I created you fearfully and wonderfully made in my image. I gave you what you needed to live on this earth. The issue isn't that you don't have what you need. Rather, it's that you're asking parts of your body, parts of you to operate in spots they weren't created to. You're asking parts of you to do things they weren't wired to do. For instance, your mind. Your mind was created to gather information, transform it into knowledge, and send signals to the body of how they are to respond. Gather information, transform it into knowledge, and send signals out. For instance, if you're being chased by a dog and you're not, you're not a little, you know, if you're not crazy, and you getting chased by a dog, you are going to run because you don't know that dog. And in return, if you don't run, let's just say you're going to run the next time because you won't know that dog. You see, your mind gathers the information that there's a threat which transcends to your brain and it sends a fight or flight method in which in return your body responds to what it is supposed to do in that moment. You see, the issue is that we've been asking our mind that is created to process the physical to process the spiritual. We've been asking our mind to process spiritual questions, spiritual moments. You see, your mind will look at your physical and say, it's probably time we get a gym membership, buddy. But it's the spirit within you that gives you the self-control to continue to go to the gym as well as it gives you the self-control to change your diet. Your mind will look at your surroundings and wonder why nobody wants to spend time with you. Everybody stays 30 feet away from you. When you say hi, Bill, they run the other way. Your mind sees that and, and it starts to take a record and say, maybe we need to change the way we treat people. But the spirit comes along and has an interaction with you and gives you the experience of the perfect love and joy in Jesus, which in return makes you infectious to the world around you. People can't help but want to be close to you because of what is in, on the inside of you. They want to be near you because they know that any 
time they're next to you, they feel a certain different feeling that's not manifested by the earth, but manifested by the spirit that dwells within those who believe and follow their Lord and Lord and their Savior and Saviors, Jesus. This is the issue, that we have our minds trying to do something they aren't wired to do. You see, somewhere down the line, we as Pentecostals, we as believers, we begin to ostracize, or for people who don't know what that word means, we begin to solely focus on the gifts of the Spirit and not enough on the fruits of it. We begin to, 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 to sell the gifts of the Spirit to the world and, and, and sell it to kids at camps. And, and, this, and I have, I'm not sh- shooting any shots. All I'm saying is there is more to the Spirit than the gifts that you receive. You see, because the ideal, Pastor Rich, is if I could receive it, I ain't got to give it. You just talked about that, didn't you? Hmm. Rather than realizing when I receive these gifts, my job is to give the fruits in return. That's how they know me. They know me by my fruits. That's what your word says. I regret to inform you that if you could speak in tongues, but you can't speak in love, you're not a threat to Satan. I'm sorry. You're not a threat. If you can give a great word of wisdom, you can get on this stage and preach the house down. And you can get off the stage and you can tell everybody what to do. But in return, you yourself have no self-control or no discipline. You're not a threat to Satan. You're nothing more than a spiritual gong just making noise. You see, the fruits of the Spirit give you permission. The gifts of the Spirit give you power. The fruits of the Spirit give you permission to intervene and intercede in a world that doesn't know the Savior of your life. And then once you're in there, that's when the gifts changes the surroundings of you. But we flipped it. We go into places and we go try and lay hands on people and start, and start manifesting the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. And we haven't even asked the person what's their name, what they're going through. We have to be reminded that there, there's a balance to the Spirit of God. It doesn't just want to give you gifts. It wants you to give love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, and goodness to the world around you and to yourself. So I guess the deeper question is, how healthy is your spirit? I guess that should be the question we actually are asking here. Rather, we shouldn't be talking about New Year's and things like that. Maybe we should be talking about the health of our spirit because maybe if our spirits were healthy, we would be able to manifest these fruits in such a way that it doesn't, we don't even know we're doing it. It's just second nature to us. So how healthy is our spirit? And I'm going to give you just a few things that I personally do to, to, to make sure I keep my spirit healthy. The first thing is I feed my spirit. You got to feed your spirit. You got to feed the spirit. Scripture says in Matthew 4, 4, that a man should not be filled on bread alone, but by the word of God. It says in particular, but he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. Word. Where have we heard that at? In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. And then, then, oh, It's saying that the word of God feeds us. The word of God feeds your spirit. We're not asking you to read your Bibles, and you shouldn't read your Bible out of a spiritual mandate or out of a a ritualistic act. Rather, you're reading this and indulging in this and dissecting this to feed the spirit on the inside of you. This isn't about just learning more for your head. No, your spirit desires to know its creator. It desires to have a deeper relationship with the creator. And the only way it can do that is by knowing who it is. And it lives in this word. 
We got to be more conduits of, of, the, of the word of God. We should be people that want to consume the word of God every single moment we get. It also says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When you praise him, do you know that he can't help but want to be drawn to you like a magnetic pulse? He wants to be near you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He desires to be as close as he can with you. Do you know when you worship him, when you say his name, he can't help but want to be close to you? What would happen if we became a people that in the midst of our storms, we didn't say, oh, this one's going to be the one that took me out. Oh, this is how it ends. Oh, do you know my bills are mounting up? I got all these bills and... ah. My health ain't been what it used to be. My children, is they going crazy, they in the world, losing their minds. I'm going crazy, I think, personally. I guess this is where it ends. And we become all melancholy and we wonder why nobody wants to be around us. Because all we can do is look at ourselves and gloat on our current circumstances and situations rather than realizing that when I worship, I release a power into the atmosphere. And that power into the atmosphere invokes Jesus to want to come and live with me in the midst of my storm. So often we look at God as the person that's on the outside of the storm, staring at you, waiting for you to make it through it. No, if you worship him, he comes and stands in the storm with you and says, greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world. I, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the head and not the tail. You got this because I've got you. I am in you and I am moving you. Do you know that some things I deliver you from and some things I give you discipline for? And this is one of those moments where I'm disciplining you because I'm calling you to a higher platform, to a higher level. And I can't take you there until we go through this together. We have to understand that our God is not afraid of our mountains. He moves them. I feel like that deserved a better hmm, amen than a... I feel like that might have would have made Tiger Woods happy on the golf course, but Jesus might deserve a little more than that. He isn't looking at you and saying, oh, I can't stand over there. Do you know that Jesus wants to be with you so much that when the stench of sin became so much that it couldn't dive in the same realm with God, guess who was there? Jesus. He isn't afraid of your dirt, but you got to feed. You got to feed your dirt, the seed. And if you feed your dirt, the seed, guess what comes out of it? Life. And the seed is the word of God. And when you praise, that brings the moisture of heaven down and it permeates that seed and it begins to grow out something that's greater than you ever thought could be. Did you know that God loves your testimony so much so that he said he would use it? You got to feed your spirit. The second thing is you got to exercise your spirit. Ooh, that word exercise triggers some people in here. (laughs) The only thing I exercise is this old finger when I'm eating first service, before the service, I had a man walk up to me, and, and, and he, he said, um, you're Dylan, right? Usually when someone walks up to me and I don't know him and they say my name, I get a little nervous. <laughs> because where I'm from, that means one of two things. One, I did something to, to you, or two, you did something to me. So it's just going to be a bad situation. He said, and then he said something else that's very threatening to me. Yeah, we did some research on you. At that moment, instantly, what went through my head is, did I delete everything from 2005 that I posted on social media? Because if he sees that, he's not going to want to hear anything I got to say up here. It's going to be an awkward time. Then he said, see, you used to be a really good ball player. At that moment, I was, I did that for two reasons. One, because obviously he didn't see what I posted from 2005. And two, because now there's this expectation on me because of what you saw. 
because of what you see, he, he expected me to be this ball player. Little did he know that I hadn't touched a basketball on a consistent basis in about three to four years. You see, there's this expectation on you as a believer in the world around you. You see, because they might not believe overtly, but when stuff happens to them, you know who they're going to run to? You. And if you haven't exercised your spirit enough in the times prior to them running to you, you'll be just as terrified of the storm as they are. Because you haven't exercised in the storm yet. We have too many spiritually obese Christians and not enough packed churches. Notice I said spiritually and not physically because I'm not attacking your physical stature. Rather, I'm saying spiritually you have gathered all of the knowledge of the Bible. You've studied and and shown yourself proven, but you haven't had a chance to prove yet. If everyone around you looks like you, acts like you, talks like you, eats what you eat, goes where you go, votes like you, X, Y, Z, then your life is based on you and not Jesus. It's based on you and not Jesus because Jesus had tax collectors around him, fishermen. Fun fact, Peter was an activist. He was a part of this group named the Zealots and their main purpose was to stand up and rebel against the Romans. What, Jesus liked activists? Surely not. That just made somebody real nervous in here. (laughs) You have to give yourself permission to exercise your spirit. And I got news for you. You can't exercise your spirit in a comfortable state. Sorry. Have you ever ran on a treadmill and said, this is nice? (laughs) This is really nice. Let me answer these emails while I'm on here. Have you ever, look, somebody in here ain't laughing because they like, I actually do that, so... You need help, sir. (laughs) You've never lifted weights and said, oh, this 250 pounds feels amazing on me. Most of the time when you see athletes breathing really heavy and they're working out, they're not breathing really heavy just to psych themselves up. Rather, they're trying to get wind to their cardiovascular system so that they're able to push harder. You have to put yourself in stressful situations so that you can push harder in the in-between. You can't exercise your spirit when everything around you is comfortable. Sorry. When that person cuts you off in traffic, that's your opportunity to exercise. When your boss didn't give you that raise that he promised you you would get, that's your opportunity to exercise. When your kid is not listening to you like they should be listening to you, that's your opportunity to exercise your arm. (laughs) I'm from that era. (laughs) My mama laughing too hard. Mm -hmm. You heard the man. (laughs) Laughing too hard. I'm sorry, son. Sorry. But it gives you an opportunity to exercise. If everything around you is comfortable, you're not exercising the power that lives on the inside of you. And so in return, you become frustrated and anxious because it's stuck in here. And you feel like I got to change something around you. Yes, what you need to change is the comfort. You don't need to change your job. You don't need to change your marriage. You don't need to change X, Y, Z. You need to change your comfort zone. You need to take your wife, your, your husband, your spouse, your family with you into a place to where you're able to manifest that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control on the outside in the world around you. You got to exercise, people. You got to exercise. And the last thing is this. You got to protect your spirit. You got to protect your spirit. Scripture says this in Ephesians 6, verses 13 through through, through 18. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, here's the part I want you to really hear, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So often we talk about the evil days, but we won't put the spirit of God on us anyway. 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. We need truth tellers in this world. We need people who are going to tell the truth and not be afraid to tell the truth. People who will stand firm and not stand on what they, what, they, what they physically believe in, but the truth of the word of God that stands firm in the midst of all things. Scripture says everything is here today, gone tomorrow, but the word stands. I felt that for somebody. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Somebody in here, you've been fighting some storms for a long, long time. Feels like Satan won't stop. He keeps throwing arrow after arrow after arrow at you. That was for you right there. That verse was for you. The one in here who's struggling right now with an addiction that you don't care to bring about. And, and as Pastor Jerry said, there's some, a certain shame on you. It's saying right now, that scripture is for you. It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making the supplications for all the saints. Your mind can't fight what it can't see. You're asking your mind to fight battles that are done in the dark realm. Scripture says we do not fight against flesh and blood. But we fight against the rulers of the darkness. And the only way you can fight is by making sure you have the armor of God on you at all times. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and give you this idea that what you watch or what you listen to or X, Y, Z is sending you down the wrong path. I'm not going to do that to you. But rather, I'm going to say be very cautious of the ratio of your indulgence. Making sure you're feeding more to feed your spirit than you are feeding your flesh. Because what you feed, you become. What you feed, you become. If you feed your flesh, you become a fleshly person doing fleshly things and wondering why you keep acting fleshly. It's because you're full of flesh. But if you feed your spirit, you're able to navigate the waves and the wonders of life and understand that all of it is for a purpose and God will use every single piece of it if you let, give him permission to. But you have to protect your spirit. How healthy is your spirit? Because the health of your spirit, in my closing, the health of your spirit will determine the proximity of your travel. You can only go as far as the spirit within you is willing to guide. If your spirit isn't fed, isn't exercised, isn't protected, it can only guide you so far. Have you ever tried to run a mile, two miles, three miles on an empty stomach? Didn't take your vitamins? Didn't protect yourself? Don't have, you're not wearing the proper clothing or the proper armor? You won't make it too far. Let's make sure that our spirit has what it needs to guide us properly. I need every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. Jesus. There's a, a story in the Bible that I'm going to tell you about. But before I tell you about it, I want to give you something to think on. Now, I'm not going to do an altar call in this moment. I'm not going to, 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 to 
give you something in particular to do. Rather, what I want to tell you to do is, right now, I want you to think back to any moment that you have not responded in the fruits of the Spirit. And I want you to make a statement and set a staple in the ground now that from this moment forth, you choose to operate in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Right now is the moment that you set aside any fleshly decision and you say, God, I want to project love to this world around me. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship. And as we're worshiping, that's your moment to make it true with God. Let's stand together. As I'm praying, can we all raise our hands as a sign of surrender? And as I'm praying, don't let me out pray you. Right now, lay down any fleshly thing on the inside of you and say, God, I want you. Holy Spirit, I want you. And that's it. Nothing else. Holy Spirit, I want your power and I want your fruits. I want it all. Father God, right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room that are going through battles in the dark realm and they can't see the end. Jesus, I just pray that you meet them there. And Father God, I pray that you manifest yourself in their lives. Father God, give them love. Give them joy. Give them peace. Give them patience. Give them kindness. Give them self-control. Give them goodness. Father God, I just pray right now that you give them all of these things, God. Holy Spirit, manifest yourself in a new way right now. Help us to see that you're still making us new. But as you make us new, may you give us the mandate and the vision to be able to operate in the fruits of the Spirit. Scripture says this world will know us by our fruits. And Father God, right now, we choose to say we will live and manifest the fruits of the Spirit as you did. We love you so much. In your holy name.